This is episode nine of The Creative Outsiders, and I'm your host, Siobhan Hill. The Creative Outsiders is a collective of women storytellers that aim for a sisterhood through a community that provides professional development for emerging filmmakers. Simply put, we want to show you it's possible to live your filmmaking dreams. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Denise Hewitt, and I know that she's going to give us some really good gems. So take a listen and take notes. Welcome, Denise. Hi, thank you guys so much for having me. Yes, I'm so excited that we get to talk. Um, And I tell everyone we get started. I love it because I get to do a little bit of snooping on your social media. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And um, that gives me like just some a good idea to like for questions so we can help all the um, ladies in the filmmaking industry. So my first question that I always start off with is take us back to your defining moment when you knew that you needed to work in the world of filmmaking. You know, it's funny. I was just talking about this. I think I think I always knew. I think as a kid, I was really drawn to movies and TV. I think everyone's entry point in Hollywood is sort of acting. So I grew up thinking I wanted to be an actor. I was obsessed. I would watch old films only. Like growing up, I watched every single musical, Rodgers and Hammerstein. I was obsessed with Grease. And then uh, as I started growing older, I, I just became a real cultural consumer. And I would act in high school and I went to theater camp. And then I got to college and my parents wouldn't let me go to theater school, which was a big fight. Uh, and I ended up going to the School of Individualized Study at NYU and still got to take classes at Tisch. And my first semester of uh, freshman year, I took a character acting class. And then I realized I didn't want to memorize lines. And I was like, wait. I don't want to act. I want to play myself. And then I was like, wait, I want to do something else in entertainment. And that's sort of when it all clicked. But I think for a long time, I thought it was acting because I didn't really understand all the different roles that play into Hollywood, largely because my parents didn't work in the business. So I just had one viewpoint of what what it could be, because as they say, if you can see it, you can be it. And so I had to sort of figure it out along the way. And I think that's, um, well, that's really the reason why I started the Creative Outsiders is because it's a lot of figuring out along the way, especially at, well, I think everybody goes through it, but because I am on the East Coast, so there is like no point of reference. Like when I went Mm -hmm. to school for undergrad, I went for counseling and therapy. So I didn't have somebody or even a blueprint that said, okay, these are the steps that you need to take because... In my heart, I knew like I've always written like that was my first love. And then that's what I got my master's in. So if you don't mind me asking, why didn't your parents want you to be an actress? So my parents are their background is science and math. Uh, So my dad's been in the biotech space. And so for them, they they were like, you can pursue whatever you want. You just need to have a plan B. So they believe, Mm -hmm. you know, their mindset was if you want to be an artist, that's great, but there's no guarantee that you can get paid as an artist in the same way mm-hmm. that if you get a you know degree in something different, then at least you have a degree to fall back on and you have you know a, a path to go. Um, that being said, it was you know I think everything happens for a reason, and for me, going to the school that I went to was really defining in my journey into where I am now. Um, so I'm grateful for that. At uh, 17, I was very annoyed, but. We live and we learn. 
We do. So how did you going to school define your journey with becoming a filmmaker? Because I do see that you have experience as a digital producer. You were able to work on two of my favorite, like <laughs> all time favorite. Like I looked, I was like, oh, she worked on Ugly Betty. I love Ugly Betty. It's the, it and was the best. I know it was. So take us through, because that's a thing that I think a lot of people who don't necessarily have the background aren't going to go to film school. They always want to know, like, what is the process? Like, how did you end up even in the position to be able to go and work on Ugly Betty? Well, it's actually the best story because I had, just like everyone else, zero touch points, which was so much of why, you know, we've, I've built what I built was because I knew how hard it was to sort of get a job in Hollywood. And being in New York, there's very limited opportunity. There's very few shows that film in New York. I think there's more now, but back when I was in college, there were only a few. And so I had decided I wanted to work for Pat Field. And so Pat Field, for those of you that don't know, was the costume designer on Sex and the City. And so at the time she was doing Ugly Betty. And so I decided I want to work in wardrobe because I had spent my college, early college years interning in fashion and I had no, no resources. And so I kid you not, I went to page 100 on Google. Like I went page one through 100 on Google looking for an email or something that I could figure out how to get a job there on like mm -hmm. page 101. I happened to hit this blog that had the email for the wardrobe department. I sent them an email. They emailed me right back and had me come in for an interview. Like that, that was it. It was like sheer determination and persistence where I was like, I will figure this out and I will get this job. And that's how it, that's how it happened. That's really awesome. <laughs> but that is a good point too, because I think too, people uh, will see like filmmakers and they'll see this like one highlight or this one moment and it's like oh, okay you didn't have to work hard but like you literally went through a hundred you went all the yeah. way to a hundred to find what you were looking for so I think that says a lot about you and your determination but I think that's what people have to realize like you know it's really hard when you don't have you know the sort of human touch point to help you get ahead but it's not out of the realm of possibility. Like I had no one that could help me figure out how to work at the places I wanted to work because my family and my friends were largely not in that, in that space. So it was just by me sort of like hacking it and like, you know, it, it did, didn't happen without me pushing or keep, I kept asking or I was really persistent and like, I didn't take no for an answer. Uh, and I think that's sort of what it takes. I mean, I don't, personally like that that's sort of how it had to happen mm -hmm. I wish it there could have been a, an easier inroad but I also think that you know uh that's sort of the bottom line I think in in most people that are successful is their their persistence and their desire is what makes them successful not really anything else it's just the fact that they will figure out a route if every door closes they will find the window they will find the tunnel they will find the way to get to what they want Absolutely. I totally agree with that. So then how did you prepare? Because you hadn't had experience in this, you were determined, but how did you prepare for this interview? Uh, you know, I think <laughs> look at what you're taking me back. I'm like, ah, how did I prepare for that interview? Uh, you know, at that point I had interned for like a few, like a fashion magazine, nylon magazine, okay. like a runway production company, a couple other places. So I had a, at least a, a decent background and skill set to offer. 
Um, and I think I just made it really clear. Like I told them, I was like, you know, I really, there's no other place I want to work. I'm so passionate about what you guys are doing. I will work hard for you. I will work the hours. I mean, at that point I was young. And so I didn't have as much, you know, you don't have, you have to just say, I'll, I'll work 20 hour days. doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I'll do whatever. Um, and just prove that I wanted to be there. And then I think that, you know, over time, the people that do well in production are the people that aren't afraid to get their hands dirty. The people that are really will just take any sort of weird job are uh, happy to be there, will just say yes. And sort of, I think I got, I was really good because I was quick on my feet. I was smart. I was able to take whatever they gave me and then go the extra mile, which is why I got asked to do Sex and City 2 afterwards. Um, but I think a lot of it is just, you know, doing the work. I think early in your career, it's just about getting your hands dirty, putting in the hours. And then, you know, the older, as you sort of move towards your thirties, it's, you've, you've, you've acquired a network and you put in the work that people will vouch for you and they will stick out their neck for you in a way that when you're just starting your career, people aren't going to do that. Right. Like you have to prove to them what your work ethic is and why they should continue to support you. I agree. And I like too, that you said, um, you know, you're building your network. So that goes to, um, and correct me if I'm wrong. Is it script? Scripted. Yep. It's scripted. Okay. So tell us how, well, tell us first what that is and then tell us how it functions. Yeah. So scripted is a, we call it a script database for Hollywood. So it's really a place for writers to upload. It's free for writers because we believe that to create equality in Hollywood, we have to eliminate some of these barriers to entry. So any writer can participate. Uh, and then the industry can search by keywords, genre tags, and find what they're looking for. Because we have found that, you know, when I was a producer, I was really frustrated with the process of finding things I wanted efficiently. Uh, mm-hmm. I think technology sort of affords us that that luxury. And so it's, just, it's, a, it's a place to sort of be more clear like about what you're looking for, how to find it, find new and up-and-coming writers, uh, expand the pool of, of writers that we can actually see work from, since Hollywood represents a very specific small pool that largely represents one narrative. And our goal is to sort of expand that. Um, we also allow the public to read screenplays for the first time ever. So we allow the writer to make money on their work, share it with their friends, monetize it. And also the goal is the more that you can prove you have an audience base, the more likely Hollywood is to pay atten- will pay attention to your screenplay. So we wanted to create an ecosystem that really allowed people the opportunity, but beyond that, allowed them to take control of their own career. I like that. So if I'm a producer, then how do I get connected to the screenwriter. So let's say I go and I read something I like, what is the the exchange or the process for the producer to be able to reach out to the person? Yeah, you can message the writer directly on the site with our industry subscription. Um, and then, you know, what's cool about it is the first 10 pages of every script is free and then the you can pay to read the full thing. And so you can sort of also, if you like a work, but maybe you like the writing, but the work is not something you want to option you can go to the writer's profile and it's sort of like IMDb for screenwriters. So you can see what else they have. Uh, so if you, you can sort of maybe see if there's something else you'd like to read or option. Um, and so it's really just, you know, it's sort of like just a tool for the, for the producer to use it how they want to, whether that's finding work or that's uh, them reaching out directly or maybe keeping tabs on people. You know, the producer can create a profile, favorite things they like, follow writers and just sort of create a system, uh, streamline their sort of workflow system. 
That's really interesting. I'm over here like, oh, I'm going to have to put my work up there. That's really, really, really good. You are going to have to put your work up there. <laughs> That's really 100%. So then how is the screenwriter's um, work safeguarded? Yeah, so I think that what people sort of, it's, it's funny because I don't, I'm of the mindset that nothing is wholly original anymore. <laughs> that being said, I'll explain the safeguards in a second. Uh but I think that, you know, at this point, it's more about execution than idea, right? Like, that's sort of my philosophy that we have, we're all sort of repeating Shakespeare. Uh, you go to the movie theater, there's two movies with a similar concept. But what makes great writing great writing is the writer's execution and their voice, right? Right. So what we do right now, you know, if you're repped as a writer, uh, you have a team sending out PDFs, right? And it's very hard to trace where those PDFs are going, who's reading them, people send things to their friends, uh -huh. and, you know, things get lost in the ether. So we have a public-facing upload date that allows you to know when you've uploaded. So that being said, if someone were to copy dialogue verbatim uh, and you've seen, they've, you've seen they've read your screenplay, you have recourse there. Uh -huh. But separate from that, everything is the first 10 pages are free, and then from there, people pay to read the full script, right? So there's a system in which the writer can then see who's favorited their script, who's, who's, who's read it. Uh, so we've created a, a, a system that holds everyone accountable um, and allows us to sort of, you know, uh, evangelize and keep track of scripts. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and that's absolutely true. You will send your script to a friend and then it sh you don't know where it's shared. So that's a very valid point. And uh, when I was yeah. doing just a little bit of um, skimming on your website and then I started to just think about it more than recently, we have seen a lot of digital platforms pop up to help the indie world, which is a great thing. Um, but after a few years, they're no longer able to sustain themselves financially. What do you think the entertainment world and investors can do to help these businesses so they don't fail? Can I ask about which which like sort of platforms you're referring to? Um, yes. So hold on, I have to look. Um, it made me think about it one because I was looking at Netflix. And not to say that they're going mm -hmm. to fail, but just looking at how much debt they're carrying. And most consumers yep. don't know that. Um, mm -hmm. It's just like, oh, I like this content. It's really, really good. And then you see that they, like, they're carrying a heavy load of debt. And then mm -hmm. it was one other person platform that I follow. Let me make sure I say the right name. Um, it'll come to me. But Netflix no worries. was the first thing that came out. Uh, yeah, I mean, Netflix, I think, is raising their prices this month, uh, and they'll yes. probably continue to do that. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, that, this is stuff I think about a lot, uh, but I do believe that in every other sort of vertical music, all these other places, we've innovated. We've invested in innovation in a way that we really haven't in entertainment. Like, the only part of entertainment that's been disrupted is where we can watch content, right? So mm -hmm. Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, right? and then the theater and then TV. But we really haven't seen any sort of other disruption in how we find uh, or make content. So for me, I believe venture capitalists have to invest in this arena because I think when we do, we start to mitigate risk in entertainment. I don't think entertainment has to be financially risky. Mm -hmm. I think we've created a system that is. Uh, I think there's ways to sort of be smarter about how we make and market content. We believe that our platform's a piece of that solution. Um, but I really think that we also have to understand entertainment is not like other investments, right? Like when you're talking about an e-commerce platform or a consumer good, right? Those things can build and 
scale and be acquired or sold in, you know, uh, three years. Right. Entertainment's a much longer con, like building out new streaming platforms. And one that came to mind, we were talking, uh, was that there was, yes, AfroStream. I was going to say, are you talking about AfroStream? Yes, it just came to me. So, uh, so AfroStream was like really heartbreaking for me because I believe that part of this new entertainment ecosystem is streaming platforms that are niche based. So things like AfroStream, uh, friends of mine have a female focused streaming platform called Blue Fever. Uh, there's also a some LGBTQ based ones. And these are awesome places for people that feel unrepresented by the business to go find content that represents them. And so AfroStream had like built a great global following, I was making revenue, but couldn't get the next round of investment to sort of keep going, right? And so the reality is if we don't invest in platforms that can compete with the Netflix, the Hulu, the Amazons, or we create or, or the new cable, I sort of say like, we'll eventually have a bundle where I have Amazon and I have Netflix and I have AfroStream and then I have Blue Fever and I have all these different sort of things that become the new cable package. Um, and if we don't invest in them, then they don't have the opportunity to succeed. And so there's a lot of money being thrown into other types of tech or other types of consumer goods that I don't think are really solving problems mm -hmm. where I think personally, you know, when we represent people appropriately, we have the ability to change the world because there's a direct correlation between what you see on the screen and then what you believe you can achieve. It's like, mind boggling the more you dig into it. But for example, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure everyone here has seen Hunger Games. But when Hunger Games and Brave came out, little girls that started taking archery rose 105%. Wow. And so for me, that's the impact, right. right? The more that we stop stereotyping, you know, black men or Latino men, right? Like the more that we can change the narratives in this country and in this world, the more opportunity, the more positive society we create. Like the big problem is that we're perpetuating these, these narratives that aren't real, that aren't really founded in reality. Uh, so I think that's something I'm really passionate about is, you know, changing the numbers of representation and investing in it, because I think that's a big way to start shifting and changing and healing the world. I agree. And I, I think that's um, a very valid point that you brought up too, that, yeah, we're not, represent we're representing like one specific group and I know that's exactly why I started creative outsiders because when I went to school for my MFA I was one of two females in the screenwriting program and I felt like an outsider like I felt like wait okay y'all are mm -hmm. talking around me <laughs> you're like you're putting me yeah. in the box of like oh you're gonna make this type of film and I'm like no that's not even what I'm interested in so it definitely is right. like this, um, yeah, it's a cycle of we only see this one type of film or because it's the only one type of person who's making it. So, Right. And the reality is, right, when you have films that represent women in leadership or films that are 50% plus diverse, they do two times better in the box right. office, right? So for us, we believe that the value, uh, there's a value of representation, of course, but also financially it does better. The reality is our world is not what it was 20 years ago. The demographics are shifting. We're living in a very different uh, country and the way that people consume content is very different. And we have to start catering to all people. If there's no longer, it's no longer, not that it was ever okay, but it, you can't really get away with it in the same way you could maybe 30 years ago. I agree. So where do you see scripted going, um, let's say two years from now? What do you want to see happen? Oh man. 
I think our main goal at the core of this is, you know, to birth great story and great writers. Our goal is to, we've been very lucky that the movies that have gone, we have a lot of writers, some, you know, some, a couple were repped, but a lot of them were unrepped and we sort of got them their first big deal. Uh, so for us, that's a big, a lot of what we want to see. And really my goal, I would, I'm going to go further than two years, sort of say 10 years, uh, is that we can say that we directly contributed to the shift in numbers, that we're closer to parity because scripted was involved. I like that. So what would you tell someone who, let's say, is interested in being a screenwriter and they've never written a script per se? What would you tell them if they were interested in putting their work out there? What is something that they can do? I would say first and foremost, read. Read every screenplay from finished, produced screenplays that are sort of already sort of perfect and noted to death to things on our site. Like we have this huge database of unproduced screenplays from, you know, maybe like more small writers to more accomplished writers. And the reality is there's no better place to learn than reading hundreds of things. The more that you can get in the mindset of a development executive, the better you are because you're going to see that they read a hundred workplace comedies. The one workplace comedy that stands out is what they're going to make. So you have to figure out what stands out. There's a lot of really amazing writers and being really good. I always say, isn't good enough. Um, so you sort of have to figure out what, what your lane is and then how do you make yourself stand out in a sea of talent? Um, and I think the more that you read, the better, the better you're, you're going to do. And I also think the other side of this is also be write The thing, for yourself. Don't write the thing that you think is going to sell. Don't write the thing that you think people want to see or is sort of trending or is in the zeitgeist. Write the thing that you like at the, if, if you are, it's like, like it's your last day on earth and this is the thing that you want to write because those are usually the things that touch people in their heart. And those are usually the things that start careers. That, yeah, that's some good advice because even when um, I was in my program, like they definitely, well, let me not say it that way. (laughs) <laughs> I had to think about that like wait a minute <laughs> some people suggested yeah they were very aware of trends and it's like oh this is going to be the trend so this is what you need to write and I'm like no that's not what I love like I want to write about what I love so I definitely and I mean I can right. tell the difference from when I wrote something like oh, okay this is you know the trend but I wasn't into it like I wrote it to say I was going to be finished writing it Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you can definitely tell. And I think that, uh, I think it's, I think it's hard because I, you know, this is not, this is a frustrating space and you sort of want to figure out how to hack mm-hmm. it. But I think that, you know, it might take a little longer the authentic route, but I think that that's sort of how you find your people, your collaborators, the people that believe in you and your writing. Um, and certainly like I would say with our site, like we, you know, we've been around for two years, but we've just sort of started, really putting ourselves in the press and talking about some of the things that we've done, uh, largely because I wanted to spend time building a real company and finding our people and uh, making sure we could sort of back up what we, what we want to do. So um, I don't think every ambitious person wants everything tomorrow, but sometimes there's a benefit to time. And so I know that you are the founder of Scripted, but who is your team? Do you have a team that supports you and helps you run this machine? I do. I've had a part-time team for the past couple years, an epic, epic part-time team of people who believe in the mission and 
really care about what we're doing. Um, we have some readers. And then I just onboarded newly my co-founder. He's uh, awesome. And we're so blessed to have him. And it really feels like, you know, we've been, I've been spending, I spent a lot of time sort of figuring out what I wanted this to be and how I wanted it to work and the types, you know, what, what our branding was. And, you know, I think our word of mouth growth has been really incredible because the writers on our platform, they, they, they're, they look like our world. And that's what I wanted. I wanted a site that was representative of the world I lived in. And so I'm really blessed. I think that, you know, I've just onboarded this new partner and we have a lot of, you know, big plans and we're excited to sort of share them with everyone in the next few months. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to make sure that I tell yeah. everyone about it because I've definitely, I think it's a really valuable resource, especially for writers, because I think sometimes writers feel like they are lost in the mix of filmmaking. It's like, we need your words. But then after that, it's like, we forget about them. So I agree. And I think that's a problem. I think that writers are just as valuable as every other person in the chain. And I, I felt that too, that a lot of times writers were being undervalued. And so our goal was to be a resource, be able to help everyone service them in the way they wanted to be serviced, but also to really show up for writers. Because I think a lot of the platforms that exist, the databases that exist are sort of taking advantage of writers. And our philosophy was no, we're here for you. We want to support you. And if you win, we win. That's our, our philosophy. Like if, if you make money, we make money. So that's how we feel. And what it. would you say is, has been a win for you so far in this process? So funny. Um, I think for me, like, you know, we have some fancier wins. We have, you know, sort of the things that people I think should think I should care about. Uh, I think for me, what I care most about the biggest win is the people that use our platform. Like when I meet with people and they're like, I've been using your site for months, I'm a big fan or your site helped me with this, or, um, I feel seen because of your site. We recently, I recently connected with a 19 year old director whose short film went to Cannes, So she's very accomplished and quite, quite the visionary. And she told me that she is on my site weekly. And when I first met her. And for me, that's the point, like building a resource that someone uses, that someone's excited about, like a young, you know, mm -hmm. bossy director, I couldn't ask for a better consumer. And I think for me, that's sort of the point is the community is the people that feel seen and heard because of our platform. And yes, I care about getting movies made. And yes, I care about, uh, you know, our amazing partners and all those things. But I think that we are very clear that it's, uh, we are, we are our writers. Without them, I don't have a platform. I don't have the ability to do what I do. And so they're, they're always, their stories have changed my life. And um, I feel honored to be in a position to build what I'm building and to be able to work towards this cause in tandem with like a community of brilliance. I'm over here like, yes, <laughs> I want to come Because that's, I mean, that yeah. is so awesome. And I just, yeah, I think too, because I'm a writer, at first, like, and I've like developed into, I love directing, but I love writing. So I'm, I'm cheering you on. I want you to win because writers do get left in oh, the dark. It's you. like, we need your work, but we forget about you. So I'm really, really happy. I'm really happy that you decided to do this. Yeah. I think that, you know, we're moving into a story driven place. I think that, you know, in the nineties, celebrity uh -huh. was a thing that people really cared about. And I think with social media and the fact that we no longer have, you know, four news outlets or, uh, you know, three magazines that you read, I think you're seeing a shift in how we view celebrity. So everyone's sort of a celebrity these days. And so then what the most important thing becomes story. 
And so for me, that's, you know, the writer's story. Like, I think Moonlight's a great example of uh, no celebrities in the movie, very low budget movie that moved a, a, like the world, right? Like, cause it was a story that we'd never seen. It was a powerful narrative. And I think that's where, that's where like TV and film is going is really powerful narratives that get people to show up, that get people to talk, and that all comes from a brilliant so, script. what are you reading or watching right now? You know what I just finished watching that I'm a bit What's obsessed that? with? I just finished oh, I watching The Sinner. I'm going to have to watch it now. Ooh. It is definitely something you should not watch by yourself home alone. Uh, I get a little scared of <laughs> that kind of stuff, but it is, it is awesome. None of it is predictable. All of it is interesting. Jessica Biel is untapped and unbelievable. Um, I really, really liked it. I really enjoyed that journey. Mm-hmm. It took me a while to sort of move through all of it, but that was something that sort of stood out to me in acting and story uh, and just like very, like very cool character stuff. Um, so I really loved that. I really no, love I the bold that. type. Have you seen the bold type? Okay. It's on free form and it's about three girls, three best friends who also work together to fashion magazine, very feminist. It's very female friendship focused and work focused. And so it's really nice to see a like mm-hmm. millennial female teen that. like show about women working and female friendship. Oh, it builds like the last episode I was bawling. Like it's yeah, I'm going to watch it's, that. It's I, strong. I love, and I think too, because we don't usually see ourselves on um, camera, like we're either going against each other. It's like not friendship friendly. So yeah, I have to watch that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's awesome. I mean, I'm watching so many, I watch so many things. Like I'm really, you yes, know, I love, love Insecure. Insecure. Uh, <laughs> that one for me is so good. So good. Um, just like there's just so much like I feel like I'm watching stuff all the time and I'm you know pretty for the most part impressed but I also don't watch a lot of things uh I'm more of like a probably more of a (laughs) it's okay me too I have my like Um, I know what I watch and then I'm kind of like okay I only want to watch those I don't want anything else I watch most pilots. Like, I'll watch, like, pretty much okay. a, a pilot, and then I either will continue or I won't. But, oh, and then, of course, I, But why am I like, so I mean, behind? I, like, caught on late, fun. so I've been binge-watching. I think I have, like, three episodes left for um, the first season. So I'm, like, trying to hurry up. But, yeah, I'm definitely consumed with that. I'm like, I love it. It, it definitely has been taking me through emotional roller coaster, but it's worth it. <laughs> Oh, I mean, it reminds me of Parenthood and Friday Night Lights, which are two of my favorite shows. And I realized the other day, I finally figured it out. I was like, oh my gosh, Randall and Beth they are, are the Coach they Taylor are, and Tammy Taylor they are. of today. <laughs> and I was like, because I always say it's so much harder to write a working marriage. It's yes. a lot easier to write adultery storylines. And so like to see like people write a working marriage that you're still compelled and consumed and uh, really like inspired by their relationship. I haven't seen that on TV since Friday Night Lights, and I'm just right. Like I just thought about it. it. Yeah, like yeah, that is true. To write, yeah, because it's very easy to write like an affair, a broken marriage, but to yeah, a functioning marriage oh, that has yeah. ups and downs. Like yeah, that takes work. That's 
it does take work and they you're not there yet but I won't ruin it for you but this week's episode had this awesome awesome fight and I just sat there and I was like you know what this is this is an example this is like what people need to understand is like you know relationships you put in the work with their work everything mm-hmm. in life you net what you put in uh and they just certainly put in the work which is why they have this beautiful partnership and obviously it's tv but still I think that for me, I'm like, I really enjoy watching that because I think I that those are totally things we agree. should aspire to. So before we wrap up, um, what projects or what project are you currently working on for yourself? Uh, okay. My project, my full-time project is scripted. Just just scripted. Uh, we launched our curated tab today, which was really awesome with a bunch of our partners. So we have all these great partners that picked about two to five scripts that they love, that they're vouching for, that are largely uh, underrepresented stories and narratives. Um, So that was like the big, I guess, the big win this week. Uh, And then we have some cool stuff we're working on that you'll hear about soon. Um, But yeah, our goal is to, you know, to make scripted what I want it to be, which is, you know, this big, awesome force that's changing changing the numbers every year. I think it's definitely going to leave a mark. I believe that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's like with supporters like you that that happens, right? Like we're, we need people like you to sort of share our message and get more writers involved. Yes. Um, so we can so do what we do So how can everyone keep up with you? You can give um, Scripted's website as well as any information for yourself so people can support. Yep, so you guys can all go to scriptsd.com, that's scripted without the E, and that's where you can upload your work, read other writers' work, you can follow us on Instagram at scriptsdinc, same thing on Twitter, uh, and catch up with us there. Um, We, if you're in LA, we do monthly pilot readings uh, downtown, so if you're local, we'd love to have you at those. Um, and anyway, you want to be involved in the community, we're here and looking Thanks. forward to reading so your So I'm so happy that we got to talk, and I definitely hope that everyone supports. Put your work out there. You don't have an excuse anymore. There's a platform for you. And make sure that you follow the Creative Outsiders with an S on Instagram. I know y'all have been getting on me about Facebook. I've been doing a little bit better, but I'm biased with Instagram. And then you can follow me.